Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl, and I'm joined by Scott Reel and Anna Bryant. They're both smiling and always have something meaningful and helpful to share with us uh, here on the podcast. If you could see their smile, I've, I've always heard that a smile is the beginning of love. I'm trying to get Scott to smile. <laughs> Anna's smiling real big right now. There, it's there. Smile. Smiling is the beginning of love, Scott. And you guys have lots of love to share with our, <laughs> with our listeners. But today, um, this episode, it, we're, we'd entitled it The Gift of Brokenness and the Beginning of Transformation. So that may sound like an oxymoron. But today we want to talk about humility as a foundation of goodness, which is helpful on the path of all meaningful transformation. Um, because healing and change doesn't happen instantly or all at once, but rather moment by my moment. Scott, you describe in Journey to Freedom humility as this place of surrender and dependence upon God, which in the book you say is the root of every good quality. So let's 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 begin there. Let's start there. Brokenness as the beginning of transformation and humility as a foundation of goodness. What, what do you mean when you say that? Well, there's no greater quality I've ever experienced in working with people and in my own journey of transformation than the ability to be humble. Uh, humility, which we were talking about earlier, um, if you do the 12 steps, the first step of the 12 steps, and the only step they say that must be taken perfectly is step one, where we admit that we are powerless over our human condition and our lives become unmanageable. And to know that that step was written from the first beatitude, and then you go to the first beatitude, which is Jesus' first public sermon, first thing he ever says to the world, basically, is blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. And I just think, you know, that's so profound. And then when I read... Um, uh, healing the shame that binds you by Bradshaw. Bradshaw starts off by saying that shame is healthy, that there's a healthy side of shame, which is the recognition and acknowledgement that I'm human yeah. and I am not divine, you know, which is just so the recognition of in my, in my humanness is that I am broken, I have weaknesses, I have flaws. I'm not perfect. And I think that there's this banner of perfectionism that just is so destructive that it is a part of our society. And people are afraid to make mistakes. We're afraid to be seen as weak, seen to be flawed. And yet that is really, I was again talking to you earlier about Brendan Manning when he, I think it was Abba's child, but he, in the opening, he just talked about his life. And he said, this journey has been marked by disastrous victories and wonderful, wonderful, life-changing defeats. And I'm like, there it is. The things that humbled Brennan, and when I heard Brennan speak, he, he just speaks of grace. So grace is the most powerful force in the universe. To embrace grace is the beginning of transformation. And it all begins, and this is where I think the gift of humility is when I'm humble, is that I can see the parts of me, and name them and own them. As Richard Rohr says, unless it's name, unless it's own, it cannot be redeemed. It all begins with awareness of a truth. I, got, I, I need help. I yes. cannot do this on my own power. And here's the truth 
here's the truth about me. That's the beginning of transformation. And that's where we begin. And the reality is that uh, many of these things I'll struggle with my whole life. And again, Paul talks about that when he asked, you know, would you Jesus to remove the thorn? And three times said, no, not going to do it, Paul. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So could there be a gift, actually a gift in our weaknesses, in our brokenness? And then again, Jacob wrestled all night with Angel and then gets poked in the hip and he has a permanent limp. limp. And I've always said, there's a gift to having a limp. Wow. And whatever that is that humbles us, and I know what it is that humbled me, and that was the beginning of the transformation in my life and continues to. And I can tell when my ego kicks in and the grandiosity wants to jump in there. And, I, and I'm like, I got this, I got this, you know, and I, and I don't want you to see. And the false self just comes roaring back. And I put on that pretentious act to control my, my life and environment versus living from my brokenness. So I'm hearing you say in that, Scott, that brokenness is a, a new kind of openness of heart and being. And when it's met with grace, when it's met with a genuine love and concern to grow, to transform, that that openness does become a gift because we're finally being honest. Yeah, I, I wrote this years ago that grace has its greatest potential to transform my life where it meets my truth. Yeah, so that is the gift, is that maybe for the first time, brokenness leads us to being honest. Right, and because if yeah. grace is the most powerful force in the universe, we have to be open to that grace. We have to recognize our need for it. And we don't recognize a need for grace if we're not broken. We think yeah. we're trying to do it on our own. And so we're failing to tap into the power of the divine because we're just trying to do it on our own humanity, which is very limited. That's yeah. what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. You're blessed. Mm -hmm. It's a gift to yeah. embrace your brokenness. Because that's where it all, it all, the good stuff begins. Sometimes we need help believing that, that, that our brokenness can be a gift. Um, of course, there's a dependence upon God, a higher being. Um, there's something that we need to lean on outside of ourselves, but it's very helpful to have other human beings, which you guys do in groups, that can reflect that back to us and be uh, a model of what that might feel like. But hum humility may not initially feel good, Anna. <laughs> um, it may feel like humiliation, but we're not talking about being humiliated. We're rather talking about being humble. So what's the difference? Can you help us Yeah, that? that's a good question. Um, humility is different from humiliation and that, like, humility is... Um, our own recognition within us that we are limited, that we are broken, that we are in need of grace, we are in need of help. Humiliation is something that comes from the outside to make us feel small. Um, and so hum humility is found within. Humiliation comes from kind of outside of ourselves. And so we're not, recomm we're not recommending humiliating people. Um, we're recommending like embracing that inner humility, knowing that we are limited, we are in need, we are um, human and fallible and in need of grace. There's, there's a gift in knowing the gift of limits, knowing mm -hmm. uh, that most of us are broken in some way. I would 
be as bold to say all of us yes. are broken in some way, but maybe some people haven't realized that yet. But uh, yeah, to, to, to finally be honest about the wounds, the pain, the struggle, the addiction, um, the things that we carry that, you know, we would think make us not perfect, not acceptable. Um, yeah, to finally be aware of that and find that there is a love and a grace that's available to to use that and to transform that in some way is what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, like humility, it levels the playing field. When we are mm. when we are ready to recognize and embrace our own humility and our own limitation, and recognize that that's not unique to us, that is part of the human condition, I feel like then we are so much better equipped to be able to come and support and rally those other broken humans that are in our lives, uh, knowing that we're no better and no worse. It's part of the human condition. Levels the playing field. I like that, Anna. Scott, you, uh, I think you, I don't know if it was prior to recording or maybe you, maybe you said this when we started recording, but God created us for a healthy sense of shame. So, like, there is, uh, looking at the broken parts of us, there's a way to look at that that's not more guilt-ridden, that's actually can, can lead us to, to change and transformation. So, what do you mean by that? Well, God's created us for a healthy sense of shame. The, the pressure to try and be perfect. See, it all comes back to desire, which we've talked about in prior podcasts. That ingrained in all of us, it's the moment we're born is a desire to be loved. And so if I am fearful that if you see my flaws, if you know my weaknesses, then you will reject me, which is the greatest human fear, that if you know the whole truth about me, you're going to leave me. You're going to say you're not worthy of, of my love. And so I will then put out a false self, and it's pretentious. And so I'm hiding. And um, I think that's so fascinating. What I was thinking about was that, so Bradshaw says, healthy shame lets me know that I have limitations. And then, uh, which is why I think it's so important that in group, when I am honest and I embrace my brokenness and you say, we love you, we care about you, and we will never ever leave you and we are for you, that's when I really experience love because this is me. This mm. is the real me. The false me, I don't know if you really love me. Matter of fact, I don't mm. think you do, so I'm going to protect this false self. And so um, it's interesting. Bradshaw says that, that healthy shame can be converted to toxic shame. Mm. And toxic shame is when shame then becomes an identity. It's no longer an awareness of I'm limited, but it's I'm permanently, permanently flawed and, and, and beyond love. And so, so we do a little drawing in, in Journey to Freedom. Um, in the center of our being, if a toxic shame is at my center, and uh, Bradshaw says it's a ruptured self, a fractured self. It's a rejection of self. So, wow. And so the next circle outside of that is a false self. We protect, and then you know what comes after the false self? We move towards addiction. And I thought this is what's such a great thing for the listeners, that addictions thrive in a false self. Wow. It's almost, and it's, it's so relieving. I think, like, the pressure gets let out in a beautiful way when we know no one is perfect mm -hmm. and no one has to be perfect. Like, I just have a sense of relief. But uh, 
you also talking about a shame, a, a sense of healthy shame. Maybe a word would would godly sorrow be a word? Like I know the scriptures talk about um, that God cleanses us from a guilty consciousness. Like guilt is something that pu- keeps us tied to the past or pulls us back in the past. But the scripture also talks about the difference between feeling guilty and feeling sorrowful. Like godly sorrow leads to life and repentance and and health. So I think that's what you mean by healthy shame, right? Yeah, it's it's recognizing my truth. Yeah. I need you. I need God. I need others. Um, and that's why, again, I think of S-A-A-A, N-A-F-A, all the anonymous groups where the people come together and they come out of their hiding. And where do they find the support and the courage to, to struggle forward, to keep going, to grow? They embrace the, the powerlessness of their brokenness. And that, that's the one requirement to come to their groups. And the dependence upon God, um, I, I, think, I think the scripture says that godly sorrow leaves no regret. So the kind of shame that you're saying, the healthy shame, is this, it's this sorrowfulness like, um, yeah, I realize that I'm broken, but I could be better. And I'm getting help. You know, like there is this loving, graceful presence, um, a divine, but also in human relationships that we could begin to develop, support groups, things that we could be a part of that guide us to this place beyond regret where we really are finding transformation. But... You know, let me ask you this: Why uh, it look, society looks at brokenness as weakness and as something negative? Is that because we all think we're supposed to be perfect, <laughs> and, and without the awareness that we all have some brokenness to us? But why is that? I think the culture we live in definitely celebrates all things shiny and pretty. That's just uh, a fact of living in. <laughs> America today. It's we like shiny and pretty. And brokenness is very often the opposite of that. Um, And I think shiny and pretty is such a surface level kind of beauty. Um, We have not really come to understand or fully embrace the depths of beauty that is brokenness that has been healed. Um, That's a kind of beauty that you can't buy in a store and that you can't necessarily see on the cover of a magazine, but it's, it's like real life beauty with skin and bones on when you see something that has been, um, just ruptured and then can be repaired and put back together in a way that is perhaps more beautiful with more depth, um, than the original item. Um, but it's very countercultural, very countercultural to our consumer society that we live in, um, that just wants what's pretty and easy and convenient and shiny and low maintenance, and that's just not exactly reality that we live in, unfortunately. But it's the reality we've been told to strive after, which doesn't actually exist. Which is perfection. Mm-hmm. And but we're talking, we can get better. It's not like we have to be victim to our brokenness. That there is a path of transformation and better. But perfection, or pretending to be perfect, is not what, what gets us there at all. Uh, Anna, you wrote in preparing for this, uh, 
in seeing the society looks at it as a weakness, maybe mm -hmm. as a negative thing, looks at brokenness in that way. You said, but we have found it to be the beginning of compassion, empathy, and wisdom, which goes back to what you're saying, Scott, which is the truth. Um, and it is from our failures that we learn and grow, not our perfection or success. Well, Scott, you read that quote earlier that, that led right to that. So talk maybe a little bit about that, how in our failures, um, those are the things that we can grow the most and learn the most in and how we shouldn't fear that. And um, obviously we can't do this in isolation. You know, we, we need others to, to, to journey this with. But um, talk a little about that. Um, uh, Scott, just how, how, do, how do we learn to trust our failures more? And um, what are the things that help us see that, yeah, I'm learning and I'm growing and I am getting better? Well, first of all, to me, again, humility is the foundation of the beginning of transformation. We don't, it's just you're not going to get there any other way except through the recognition of my powerlessness, of, of my poverty. And I think that um, it's impossible to experience humility in isolation. Mm. I need you guys to hear, I'm humbled before you to tell you, here's my truth. And then you have, which is to me, what makes a healing community so powerful. You have the ability then to speak into that. And it's either going to pull me forward or you're going to push me down. Because um, you can shame me more. Say, yeah. what are you doing? I can't believe you did that. You know, that, uh, you know. Or you can say, I'm glad you told me. I love you even more. And I am so for you. And I'm walking in this with you. Um, so that is um, just profound. That was a profound uh, place of transformation for me. Because when I started my journey of my brokenness through my addictions and all the struggles I had in my youth, um, I kept it all hidden until I got into recovery. And I remember sitting in that little circle of people who I did not know and starting to confess about where I've been and what I've done. Um, and that was the beginning. Of, because Christ says where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. And so I found that to be the most spiritual environment I've ever been in, where I felt Jesus was in those groups where I told my truth and the people looked at me and said, we love you, we are for you, and we will never, ever abandon you. Because as, as I've said before, I heard that was like Christ's voice through those, through that's, those that's people. That's so powerful because, yeah, that's where grace comes in. Like, you're right. You can't, yes, you could, you could be humble of heart and spirit um, by yourself. You could be working at that internally, but we're, to be able to share that with others and to experience grace, like being humble and experiencing grace back, that really is the, the, the secret sauce there, right? It's like, so I, I get what you're saying by that. Um, yeah, it's almost like you can't give grace if you've never needed it. And so when we yeah. all embrace the fact that we're broken, we can extend that empathy in, in that community. But if you've never if you've never needed grace, if you've always been perfect, then how could you possibly be empathetic? There's no way. It's the person who needs it the most will yeah. recognize it most authentically coming from others. Yeah. And remember, we've talked about this before, that 
they, what they found about empathy. Empathy is so needed, yet they say that people who don't do inner work are not capable of empathy. So if I'm surrounded by people who have never done inner work, I'm probably going to get judged, criticized, condemned, rejected. But if I get around people who have done inner work, they recognize their flaws, their weaknesses. They're the ones, because they've had to experience grace. And so, isn't George, isn't there a verse that he who has been loved much loves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know exactly where it's at. But yeah, yeah, but it's like he, he who's been, been, ex- he, for, he, been he given who much. He who has been forgiven much, I think, loves, loves much, much, right? Yeah. He who's been given much is expected much. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's something along those lines. But, uh, you know, I in preparing for this, I know you guys are going to be talking about humility, but I looked up the root word of that, which is the Latin word hummus. Which we, I love hummus. Yeah. It's delicious. Um, which actually means soil or earth. And so what I love about what you guys are doing, the path of transformation, like it is reminding us of our um, just the beautiful giftedness that we've been given. The, the gift of life is just a beautiful thing. And yet it's also saying you're great, but you're not so great. That <laughs> you don't need to do some work and, and some healing. And uh, so, I, but I think that is humility. Humility is this awareness that, we're more than what we might imagine and that we're made in this image of a God that has given us this gift of life. And it, it really is something that could be so much more, but don't get too high on, on your holy horse or, or on your horse, but realize that Scott, you said this, that um, we, we live life w- walking with a limp and that there's, the, there's, a, there's a gift in that. So it is, you're great, but you're not, And And I think that limp makes you so much more approachable to other people who are limping and trying to hide it because they don't see other people around them limping. When they see your limp, they're like, oh, maybe maybe it's okay to walk with a limp. I've always said I I should lead from my limp. But I think about, and I've noticed this in myself, when I feel this compulsion, I'm compelled to... I want you to like me. I want you to love me, ultimately. So if I feel this anxiousness that I have, I'm fearful that you're you're not going to love me. You're not going to stay with me if you know all about me. And you you see the flaws and weaknesses I have. um, Then... That just creates a really difficult environment to be truthful. And to, because what I want is I want you to love me, me, with all my weaknesses, all my flaws. And I mean, I can get emotional about this because I have so many flaws and weaknesses. Um, you know, I've had this attention deficit disorder my whole life, and, and I can't focus a lot of times. I can't, I'm disorganized, you know. And, um, and then I look at um, when I wrote this book, there was no way. I mean, I, I can't concentrate for five minutes. How am I going to, you know, and yet God made a way. And you know how he made it? I asked for help. Which is humility. It took humility. I said, I can't do this. Can you help me with this? And then all of a sudden, all these people who had different gifts came alongside me. And together... God was able to create, but it all began with 
saying, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I need a, a lot. <laughs> My friends would say, you need a lot of help, Scott. <laughs> you know. We all do. But that, um, I still struggle with that. I'm, I am fearful that you will reject me if you know me. In the beginning of the book, you talked about um, coming to the well, and you, the expectation is that we only can go as far as we can bring ourselves. But then there's a point that we can't get all the whole way there by ourselves. And that's where humility comes in. And that's where our brokenness can become a gift because we find that we can be carried, we can be helped. Because at the end of the day, if we embrace our brokenness, I'm free. That anxiousness leaves, the false self is gone, and the ego is deflated. This is me. This is what I am. And I love you, and I hope you can love me the way, just as I am. And, uh, and when I'm free, I get to be me. I get to be my true, authentic self. And it just feels so nice to live those days. But I'm telling you, it is not easy, the fear of being rejected. Uh, By embracing your brokenness, though, you really are embracing your freedom together. Mm-hmm. Listen to this, uh, St. Hildegard. She was in a medieval uh, time, but she said this, humility does not rob people or take anything from them. Rather, it holds together everything in love. Oh, And I think that's what, that's what, what you were saying. But humility is certainly countercultural. So um, as a way of life, yet it is a great gift. It opens us up to grace, which Scott, I've heard you say, and Anna, I've heard you say, is the most powerful force in the universe. So um, what encouragement would you want to leave our listeners with that they could trust in this countercultural way of life more? Hmm. Because it does go against the grain. It does. But I think once you have given it a little bit of an inch, like just embrace a little bit of that brokenness or that humility or like letting down the guard of that false self just a little bit, you begin to realize how heavy a weight you've been carrying. And when you can finally set that down and just freely embrace who you actually are, you'll never want to go back. That's when humility feels good. Yes. When you finally have the weight lifted. Mm-hmm. Scott, how about you? What? This is a countercultural way. We're inviting people to give up the idea of being perfect or that they have to pretend that they are. And Yeah, I think that um, our society creates an image that we are our whole lives trying to conform to. If I'm this... Look at how we worship celebrities, athletes, stars, singers, you know. They're the ones that everybody loves. And so, and we, many of us try to live vicariously through them. But I can also live vicariously through my false self, very much so. And I'm telling you, you know what it is? It leads to loneliness. It leads to complete isolation because it's not me. And until, that's why I think what Brendan Manning was saying, that his victories led to defeat and his failures and defeats led to incredible victories because he came home to himself. And, he, and, he, and that's what Brennan's whole message was. It's all about grace. Um, grace sends me the message that 
just as I made you, just as you are. That's all you got to be. And, and live in that. Um, and, I mean, I'm in my 60s and I'm still learning to lay the false self down, to take the toxic shame out, empty it out, and just to live tr in a true self. Um, and if I am that, and you say you love me, that's freedom. Gosh, it just occurred to me how lonely living out of your false self is. Because the only one that truly knows your true self is you. So, yeah, that's no way to live. Yeah. It isn't life. It isn't. And so I think a lot of people get in a small group and feel for the first time what it is to live their true self, to be accepted for themselves, to embrace, like drop that false self and live there in their authenticity. And it is such a gift. So if you've never been brave enough, now is the time, people. We've got groups launching in the fall. We'll have them in person and online. If you want to know what it's like to live free, come join a group. Well, I want to read out of day 28 out of the book to, to close. But, Scott, I want to give you um, any, any final thought, any final word that... You know, we talk about the power of affirmations. And um, there's just something humbling about having people who really truly know you, all about you, affirm you. Say, so, you know, when I hear from the people who know all my mistakes, all my flaws, all my weaknesses, and then they tell me, you're a good man. Mm. I just brings tears to my eyes every single time. I'm like, because there's nothing I yearn for, long for more than to believe that about myself. Gosh, that's, that's the goodness you're talking about. It is. Mm -hmm. That when your brokenness is loved and someone sees the goodness yes. in the midst of that. Right, it doesn't negate the goodness. Yeah. Like being able to let the brokenness show and know that that does not negate the goodness that indwells each of us. The, the gift of brokenness is love, true love, true, authentic love. And it's only possible when we expose our brokenness. That's the gift. That's what we're all desiring. That's what we're all longing for. And that's why there's no small thing. The, the gift of brokenness is you get to finally experience love. And I think that's what Jesus is, is saying. That's the most blessed place you're ever going to be. And so... You know, wherever the, and Brene Brown talks about that, wherever you can find those relationships, she says, run to them, you know, because it's life. Nothing makes us want to live more. That's what we live for is to experience that love. It can only come through embracing our brokenness. Day 28 out of Journey to Freedom. It's called Progress, Not Perfection. I thought a good way to end would be to, to read this. So uh, let me read it to you. It says, our process of change will be marked by new beginnings. We will fail, we will get tired, and our strength will give out. But then we will start again and we'll get better. This is how we transform. God doesn't expect perfection. What he expects is humility. He wants us to work with him and work with the people whom he has put in our life to help make progress a reality. And so that's what you guys are doing. You're inviting people into groups where um, people are placed in each other's lives to, to help with this progress. 
Um, but then it goes on to say, uh, Dr. Gerald May says that our addictions divide our will, splitting it right down the middle. A part of us sincerely wants to change, but there's another part just as strong that wants to hold on to our addiction, our destructive patterns. This is why it is crucial to surround ourselves with accountability partners and a small group. This is where sane voices instruct and encourage us to get back on our feet. Determination and perseverance are wonderful, but we need courage in order to succeed. But mostly, we need to be aware of our progress over time. It will happen if we just keep showing up and working on it. So there it is. It is progress, not perfection, by way of humility, through goodness. So thank you guys for sharing with us today, Anna and Scott. And as you guys continue to share your stories, your journey. And if you are listening and um, want to do some work, want to get on the path of transformation, uh, we invite you to look online at restoresmallgroups.org org to learn more about our online and in-person groups that you can participate in. And I promise you there are two smiling human beings. If you could see them here, I promise you, you would feel their love and their grace and you would discover goodness in your brokenness if you were to be a part of these. So check them out if you need them. But until we meet back here again, friends, uh, peace be with you all. <laughs>